Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel. We welcome our streaming family. Can we greet our streaming family, please? Put your hands together. The Warners are in the house. Bun is here. Tom is here. We have a, a beautiful and delicious crowd in here. And whoever's looking through the peephole into Versailles, we welcome you, our streaming family. We thank God today for all of our fathers. We are grateful. I just told the folk we usually bless the mothers and give the fathers the law of Moses and beat them up real good. But we're here to encourage our fathers. Dads need a lot of encouragement, even good enough dads. You know, you don't need a perfect dad. You need a good enough dad. And that's a dad that will admit when he's wrong, apologize, and teach you how to love imperfect people because that's all there is in this world. So we want to bless all the daddies today. I want to be a, a source of encouragement to the fathers today. And we are in a series now called On the Threshold. Have you been enjoying it? We're, we're on the cusp of crossing over into Canaan, and we're with Joshua, and we're with Caleb, and we've been featuring this amazing man of faith named Caleb. He's 85 years old when he finally reaches his destiny. Did you know sometimes the promises you receive as a child will not be fulfilled until you're older? I won't say old, older, because I'm not old. I'm just older than I was. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about triple blessings on the threshold. Triple blessings on the threshold. Do you know what, ever heard the phrase a triple threat man, a triple threat woman? In football, that's someone who can run and pass and kick. That used to be the norm initially in football. Running, passing, kicking. That's a triple threat man. In, on Broadway, a triple threat is someone who can act sing and dance. You know, most people can sing, but they can't dance and act, or they can dance, but they can't act and sing. But when you can sing, act, and dance, you're a triple threat. And did you know in the kingdom of God, God has triple threat people. And I want to speak a word of encouragement to God's little remnant triple threat men, women, boys, and girls. The devil has a specific hatred for triple threat people, because you can sing, dance, and act. And in the kingdom of God, we look at Caleb. We see, number one, he was wholeheartedly given over to the Lord. He was very unique. Secondly, he was utterly loyal to God and his work. And third, he was completely faithful to God and his work. And he ended well. Caleb was a triple threat man. He saw the initial promised land at 40. He went into 38 years of circularity, not because of his own sin, but because of the sins of others. And he arrived in a straight line of conquest. After 38 years, he finally put his feet on Hebron, the land that God had promised him. 
He was wholly given over to God. He was utterly loyal to God and his work, and he was completely faithful. Did you know in the kingdom of God, faithfulness is fruitfulness? Faithfulness by this something I wish I knew 50 years ago. Well, to be fruitful, I have to speak to millions, or I have to write books, or you have to make a gazillion dollars, or you have to invent a ship to Mars. No, no. In the kingdom of God, faithfulness is fruitfulness. If you are loyal to God and faithful where you are planted, that is the fruit that heaven rejoices over. Whew. That's not as exhausting as you thought, is it? Your whole life, God's gonna, only going to say, were you faithful where I planted you? Bloom where you're planted. You don't need to conquer the world. You need to bloom where you're planted because faithfulness is fruitfulness. That's worth the whole offering right there. Today we're going to talk about triple blessings on the threshold. What do I mean by that? Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We're going to talk. It's a very interesting word today. Are you with me for it? You know, we serve a God who does three things at once. He does many things at once. He can strike a tree and what's asleep wakes up and what's dead falls off and what's ripe falls in the basket. He accomplishes many things with one act. So we serve a God who can do three things at once, a little bit more than three things at once. Remember Jesus said, You're even the hairs of your head are numbered? The Bible says God is so wise and smart that he can see the hair on the heads of 8 billion people in simultaneity, and he doesn't just count them all. Everybody has an average of 150,000 hairs except me. But do the math. That's extraordinary. That, that's beyond comfort. But it doesn't say he counts them. It says he numbers them. He knows it's a hair, hair number 284 that fell out in the shower today. Incomprehensible. So God can do so many things at one time, it's just beyond our comprehension. Our, our, our mind snaps. The rubber band snaps. You know, we've got a little thimble brain, finite brain. God is infinite. So you can't put infinity in a finite place. So sometimes you're asking questions he cannot possibly answer because you could not possibly conceive. Not con- you have a conceptual problem. There's no way you could understand. So you've heard me say all your your life in this church. There's one word in heaven. Oh, because <laughs> you'll know as you've been known, you'll see from the helicopter perspective. Well, today we're going to talk about how God does three things at once. A, how he lifts despondency, answers prayer, and confirms your identity. God is the only one who can do many things at once, and today we're going to look at examples of him doing three things at once, because on the threshold right now, the Lord is going to lift despondency, answer prayer, and confirm your identity all at the same time. What am I talking about? Well, let's go to the scriptures here today. I want to read a text, Numbers 14, 24. 30. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Verse 30. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Remember, out of all of the generation that left Egypt, Joshua, Caleb, and Moses survived. Miriam's dead. Aaron's dead. Moses is now dead. And it's only Joshua and Caleb. And, and, and I'm speaking to a rare remnant today. Triple threat people. 
And I want to encourage you. Right now, God is doing three things at once. He's the God that can do exceeding, abundantly, above and beyond all we can ask or think. But I want you to look in the Bible. You could also call this message Four Ways God Answers Prayer. Did you know that God is doing many things at once? I just want you to take a breath and let that soak in. Because in the months to come, it's going to be absolutely necessary. You're going to be looking at him to do one thing in a particular way. He's doing three or more things at all times. He is, he, is, he is a multifaceted God, and you have a multifaceted life. And, and you're, you may be praying for one thing you think you need. He's simult- with simultaneity, he's meeting all your needs that you're not even knowing to ask about. The older I get, the more I realize how ignorant I truly am. The more I think I know myself, the more I realize I don't know. And I'm 63, and I'm just scratching the surface on who I am and what I really need. Did, did, I live most of my, lives confuse, my, most of my life confusing needs and wants. Has that ever happened to you? See, my kids said, Daddy, I need candy. No, no, you want candy. You need a spanking. <laughs> ever confused needs and wants? Amen. That was for Bun. All right. You grow up. And you're asking for all kinds of foolish things. There's a case in the Old Testament where Moses is talking to God, and God says, you know, I'm, Moses said, look, I don't want to be the star here. I don't want to be the Rufus Glitter Teeth and the Steve Stunning. Why don't you just go down and let everybody be a priest in your kingdom? Just go down. And God says, you know, Moses, I appreciate your heart. But if I answered your prayer right now and I went down in their midst, they would be consumed like wood, hand, stubble. So I'm not going to answer your prayer. I'm going to answer your heart. I know you meant well. Has God ever had to take your prayers and completely nullify them and ignore them but answer your heart? (laughs) He goes, I know what you're asking. When Grant was little, he asked me for a gun when he was like five. Or he put his petition before his father. And I clearly dismissed it out of hand because I knew he didn't, but I knew he didn't need a gun at five or bullets. Or, or, and, and I didn't go, oh, sure, honey. Would you like hollow tip bullets? I mean, what do you tell me? How many do you? Loved one, you can put your petition before the Lord, but sometimes he, he has to ignore because you confuse needs and wants. He will not answer your prayers sometimes, but he'll always answer your heart. He goes, you know, you know, the book of Revelation says the, the prayers are mixed in heaven in vile bowls. Did you know your prayers are so strange that they've got to go up and be mixed in a recipe before God to even be made clean? <laughs> That's all my prayers. I won't speak for you. Did you know there's more ways than one that God answers prayer? And I want you to see something really important today. First of all, he's going to lift despondency. You know, the despondency is a universal reality in the kingdom of God. You look all through the New Testament. We're going to look at the fact that the disciples were going through a series of despondent moments. Why? Because the crowds were thinning in the ministry of Jesus. Did you know that we always think Jesus had crowds? We always think that he had like 13,000 people and they're selling popcorn and kulakus and No, no, no. Whenever he got a crowd, he offended it. Whenever he got a crowd, he offended the crowd because his goal was to to thin it out. Well, the disciples didn't know this, that he was trying to offend the crowds because he wanted to get from the nonsense to the substance. 
and you have to sometimes wean a lot and prune a lot out to get down to what God's looking for. And so in the case of the disciples, they were going through a, a period of despondence. I don't know who's despondent today. I don't know who's despairing today. I don't know who's been depressed, but I want to encourage you today. The Lord knows how to lift your despondency while at the same time answering your prayer, while at the same time revealing your identity in the body of Christ. We need to know where we fit. We need to know where we in the body of Christ fit. The body of Christ is seen to be like a physical body, many parts, one body. We're seen to be like a house, many bricks, one building. We're seen to be like an army, many positions, but one army and one goal. And, and, and you are a particular piece in the body, brick in the house, and you're a particular portion in the battle of the Lord, in the, in the army of God. But sometimes we don't know where we are right now. If you're despondent, if you need an answer to prayer, or if you've been confused about where you fit in the kingdom, listen to me for the next few minutes. Because Jesus is working now, and he's doing three things on the threshold. He's going to release your despondency. He's going to answer your prayers. And he's going to reveal who you are in a unique way. And he's going to do this all at the same time the next little while. You say, well, okay. Feed me. Did you know there are four ways God answers prayer? Not one, four. And prayers are being answered all the time in your life. You just don't see it. Answered prayer is laying around all around you in your six square feet right now. But when we pray, we usually front load our prayers with what we expect God to do, right? We're going to look at four ways God answers prayer. Number one, through explanation. Number two, power. Now, that's the one we want all the time. Number three, reevaluation. Look again. And number four, he gives you something to do. He gives you a what instead of a why. Where are we going? Let's go. Number one, the first way God answers prayer, the first way he lifts despondency, and the first way he identifies where you fit in his body is through explanation. What does this mean? Well, the disciples were upset because the crowds were dwindling, right? And they didn't know what to do, and they were feeling despondent, and they were like uh, crying out in prayer, asking God, what's going on? You know, we thought we joined a mega movement. And now it seems to be dwindling. Right? The crowds aren't showing up anymore. And the disciples, in their despondency and in their need for answered prayer, go to Jesus, and they go, what's wrong? And Jesus gives them an explanation. It's called the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus explains something to them. Did you know when God answers prayer, we want power. We want bim, bam, boom. We want the mountain to disappear. We want the pain to go away. We, we only, that's all. <laughs> that's all Gretchen wants is power. <laughs> She's power mad. <laughs> it's Father's Day, honey. We need to be the focus of attention today. And Jesus needs to be the focus of attention too. They don't know why the crowds are dwindling. Jesus says, let me tell you a story. There are four kinds of ground, and the seed was planted on the four kinds of ground, and three of the four kinds of ground didn't produce anything. So Jesus says mathematically, one out of four people who are in a meeting are there legitimately. The rest think they're at a mall opening or a Herbalife conference or... <laughs> 
they they missed their way to the mall or the Kardashian church across the street. They, they went in the wrong. All right. Jesus said, when you're in a crowd, you are only looking for one out of four to reach. You need to look for the one. You need to realize my kingdom isn't to get crowds and more bodies in the seats. Jesus said, I'm trying to winnow all the goats down to the sheep. Right? Remember the Marines? Everybody's looking for a few good men, right? That's what the Marines. We want everybody to come to church. Please bring your friends. This is Fellowship Sunday, and if you'll all bring an old person and a young person and a retarded person, we'll have a megachurch. No, honey, no. You're just going to fill the seats with butts that shouldn't be in the church. If and and buts ministry. I don't want addition. I want multiplication. I, I, I want to count by ones like God does. God's looking for individuals. He counts by ones. He's not looking for crowds because you can't trust crowds. So to break the despondency of the disciples, what did he do? He gave an explanation. He said, you know, there's only one out of four types of ground that are going to produce, and so you guys want crowds? You want addition? I don't. I want division. I'm trying to offend three out of four people out of the ministry so that those devils will get out so I can minister to the one. And that explanation, did you know sometimes your answer to prayer that you're, you, you think you need power, God gives you an explanation. He explains why mama was the way she was. And you go, that's my answer to prayer. Did you know there are times in my life where God answered my prayers by giving me an explanation about my past? And that's what I needed. I didn't need power. <laughs> Floor time, I call it. You go down an idiot, you get up an idiot. You go down empty-headed, you get up empty-headed. Hey, I want to fall down, too. I want to double-dose the Holy Ghost from coast to coast, but that's power. We'll get to that in a minute. The first way God releases despondency and depression and despair and answers prayer is he gives an explanation. The two on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, it's after the death and resurrection of Jesus. They haven't heard yet that he's risen. They're walking by themselves, and they're despondent. They, all they know is that the Messiah is dead. All they know is the guy they believed was the God-man is dead. And it says Jesus walked up alongside them while they were walking. And he said, how y'all doing? They went, oh, man, haven't you heard what's going on? The one we thought was the Messiah is dead. And Jesus, it says, opened their hearts and beginning with Moses and the prophets, gave them a Bible study explanation of Messianic prophecy, proving from the scriptures that Messiah had to die, be buried, and rise again from the dead. And as he opened the explanation of scripture, their hearts were illumined, and the scripture says... Eventually, their eyes were opened, and they knew it was Jesus. Do you know, God may answer your prayer not with power, not with shika tapa shaba duba ding dong, which is great. Hey, I want every subjective experience. I am not like my conservative friends. I want the double dose of the Holy Ghost from coast to coast. I want wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. I want, if he wants me to levitate, I want to levitate. If he wants me to fall down, I want to fall down. If he wants to lift me back up, I want to be lifted up like Ezekiel was. <laughs> All right? Just get the order. Fact, faith, and feeling. That's the choo-choo train. Remember? Get the facts, have faith in the facts, and the feelings will follow. Never put the feelings first, but don't discount the feelings. 
Don't worship in a certain way. You may be asking demons into your heart. Have you ever heard those people? They think the devil's more powerful than the thrice holy God. Watch out, it might be Satan. Watch out. Watch out. <laughs> and you're looking around like, what? 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 Loved one, God is sovereign. And as long as you have the facts and faith in the facts, the feelings will follow. And get your choo-choo train in order. But once it's in order, he may not answer with a liver quiver or a warm fuzzy, but he may just explain something that you've never understood. Now, let me ask you a question. Maybe you have the gift of explanation. Did you know that? Nehemiah 8.8 said, some people have the gift of looking in the law and giving the distinct understanding to others. You know, you may have a gift of explanation. You may have a gift of teaching. You may have a gift of, in, of being able to illumine and enlighten people to help them understand an explanation to why their life is the way it is. And that individual in the body of Christ that has the gift of teaching or we call it forth-telling or they're able to open the Word of God and the Holy Spirit illumines some people, and maybe you right now, you don't realize that God is lifting your despair and depression and despondency is answering your prayers, first way he does it, and he's identifying your place in the body of Christ with explanation. You may have a gift of explanation. Have you ever been around anybody that has that kind of gift? One's talking to you right now. Hmm? Do you listen to good preachers online? Do you listen to people that have the, the, the gift? of? They're able to change your life and maybe be an answer to prayer because they're explaining stuff. You're waiting for a lightning bolt and to press your eyes and see the funny lights. God doesn't always answer that way, but he always answers first with an explanation. It's less dramatic, but in my opinion, long-term inner healing, it's, it's more dramatic. It's Father's Day. Maybe, maybe God can explain to you why your dad was the way he was. Because you don't understand. You know, all, he, he only had what he had to deal with. I'm so sorry. Maybe you didn't have a dad. Maybe dad wasn't there. Maybe he can explain where your life has gone in terms of that. Did you know sometimes explanation is a better answer to prayer than anything? Because you don't understand the cycle in your life of addiction. You don't understand it. You keep acting out. Remember we always say recover or repeat? If you don't recover or get healed in an area, you will repeat a behavior indefinitely, ad infinitum. Right? I wish I knew this 50 years ago. Craig, recover or repeat. If you don't recover and get that bitterness healed, you will repeat that behavior that is rooted in bitterness the rest of your life. I knew a lady that I met in 1974. She was in our apartment complex where I met Mike. Remember Mike Casa de Vida? The House of Life, by the way. It's the only Spanish I know. She was the assistant manager of the apartment. She married an alcoholic. Divorced him, married an alcoholic. Divorced him, married an alcoholic. Divorced him, married the first guy. Again. This is a beautiful, smart, professional, highly functional lady who was broken in an area. She, she wasn't a crack whore. She wasn't stupid from a trailer park somewhere. She was highly amazing. But she wouldn't recover in that area, so she repeated. She was trying to fix her father and every man that reminded her of her father she married. And guess what? She didn't recover, and she didn't understand that, and she didn't get the healing, so she repeated that behavior. Oh, that woman needed an explanation 
from God. That would have been the answer to prayer she needed. Now, I don't know what, if she ever got out of it because I, I hadn't seen her since 1976. But I remember going, Craig, never judge somebody as stupid or broken or whatever because this woman was really beautiful and really smart and really loving and really good heart, and yet she kept making the same stupid decision, marrying the same man. And, you know, you sort of look and you go, what? I always say, are you looking through your glasses or at your glasses? You're looking through your glasses, but I'm looking at your glasses so I can see you in a way you cannot see yourself. You're looking through your life. I'm looking at your life. So I can see you in a way you can't see yourself. So when you keep repeating and flying around in circles, we can all look in and go, honey, here's an explanation. Okay? So some of you, your despondency will leave, your prayer will be answered, and you will figure out you have a gift of explaining by God giving you a simple explanation. That's all you need sometimes. The second way God answers prayer, lifts um, the order is lifting despondency, answering prayer, and identifying where you fit in the body. The second way that he does it is power. Now, this is the one we want all the time. This is all you're looking for when you pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, let that mountain be removed. You know, and sometimes he'll blast the mountain. But this is the forgotten dimension of God, power. Yes, in Mark chapter 5, there's a woman with an issue of blood. This is a lady who just, her life was dripping away. She, and she was, she, was, she was unclean, according to Jewish law, because she had a constant flux and blood condition. And she was ebbing away drip by drip, day by day, and her life was just eking out. And she was unclean, so she couldn't be intimate with her husband. She couldn't be around her children. She wasn't allowed to cook for them. Her, she was completely marginalized by this horrible condition. And it says she spent all she had on physicians and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now, Let me ask you, does she need an explanation? Does she need a sermon series on the tabernacle in the wilderness? Does she need a dry apologetic explanation of the existence and attributes of God? No. She needs power. When someone's tormented by an evil spirit, they do not need a teaching on the book of Haggai right then. They need double-dosed Holy Ghost power. This is what we call the excluded middle. This is what we call in the body of Christ the really suspicious category. But the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5 needed power, not an explanation. Her answer to prayer had to be power. She was going to die. She was already half dead. She didn't need a pat answer. She didn't need a stupid counselor that's going to misguide her. She needed nothing but raw power. In the same text, there's a man named Jairus and his 12-year-old daughter is dying, and he runs to Jesus, and he says, please, Jesus, please, my baby is dying. Please, he needed power, not a sermon on the book of Numbers. Do you know the book of Numbers is often overlooked? It's very significant. Charlie Brown's teacher. When you have a demon tormenting you, you need power. You need deliverance. You don't need a a lecture. You don't need a sermon. You don't need a class. I know people, Pastor Rick used to say, the devil's a deceiver. He said, process feelings, rebuke devils. Never rebuke feelings and process devils. Ooh, that's worth the offering too, but it doesn't go to Rick. It comes here. I'm a man of God, but to a point. 
We all have our limits. A woman with the issue of blood didn't need an explanation. And charts, Bible charts. Look here. Now, when she's healed and her demons are gone, maybe she'll sit in on my class in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Blue represents heaven and crimson represents the blood. And, you know, okay. When you're healthy, you can hear that. When you're in agony, you can't. When I was in Nigeria the first time, I did a, re I did a TV show with uh, Ebenezer Obey and Afalaren Obey, and it was watched by 90 million people in Africa. I had not eaten because the food was so ghastly that you could hear my stomach throughout the interview. Oh, 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 oh. You can hear me prophesying. And, oh, uh. and Ebenezer Obey was getting so ticked. I mean, this is a godly man. This is an ancient saint. But we couldn't, like, read the Bible because my... Uh. So the, the, the show's over, and he turns to his son with, you know, and he says, get him food. The cow legs weren't getting it, and the goat ears wiggling on the plane weren't my cup of tea. So we went to like a Chinese place in Nigeria, which was like, I think it was $600 for us to eat one meal. Anyway, I'm on this show, and a lady watching the show in agony in her home that has not been able to get out of bed, has not been able to tend to her kids, has not gotten up to go to work. She's in absolute agony. She saw me, the big fat white guy, on the TV show, and Jesus spoke to her and said, go to the meeting where that man is and you will be healed. So I speak the first time to about 2,000 people, and mid-sermon, I point over to the right side of the room, way in the back, and I say, you have a sword in your side, and the Lord is going to pull that sword out. And I went right back into the sermon, just like I'm gabbing right now. I, d I didn't even remember doing it. I didn't see a vision. I didn't have an angel. To yes, sir. Yes, sir, angel. Yeah, I'll do it right away. You know. I knew one preacher used to do that. He'd be preaching. He'd go, hold on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'll do it right away. Debbie Boone, come up here. It was always Debbie that got the prophecies. <laughs> and believe me, she was worthy of all the prophecies you could give. Lord, stop me now. I got to stay on my text. I knew when she was 16, I used to sit at Pat's house and just stare at her across the room and go, Lord, if you ever give me anything, give me that. There were 20 of us claiming her. <laughs> then my friend got her. <laughs> I said, you, sh you, you, yeah. We, we didn't think well of that man, God, refer <laughs> God bless you. I'm sure he's out there somewhere. Shut tut 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 We were doing spiritual warfare over Debbie Boone. Anyway, I'm sorry. How did that happen? <laughs> my God, he's getting old. <laughs> Tom, I'll let you get to you, Ross. Don't worry, brother. We're closing. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so I say to the woman, there's a <laughs> I said, there's a sword in your spirits, your side, left side. It's coming out. So I finish the meeting. I get in the car, and Pastor Obey shoves a woman in the back seat of the Range Rover. And I'm like, you know, and he goes, this is the lady that God said, if she comes today, you, she will be healed by you. And I said, well... I pull that sword out of your left side in Jesus' name. Bam! Healed. Power. <gasps> I've never seen anything like it in and through me in my life. And it was like, oh my God, I could get used to this. The sword is now removed from thy side, oh thou. You know, I could work. I could milk this like a cow. 
if God gave me power, you know, it's like when we used to do magic, sleight of hand as kids. Once you've already done the move and you know you've already won, you can play it up. No, tap my finger four times. The coin is in my right pocket. You can have them spit in your hand. You can have, you know, we would have them really relish it up anyway. So I, the car drives off and I go, wow, that was, she didn't need my snappy sermon. She was in agony while I was up on the pulpit going, <laughs> explaining everything. She didn't need an explanation. That was not her answer to prayer. Power was her answer to prayer. Power is what Jairus needed. And his 12-year-old, by the way, died. Jesus was so consumed with ministering to the woman with the issue of blood. By the way, she got healed. She touched the hem of his garment. Power was her answer to prayer. And, and Jairus' daughter, he gets a message, and they say, trouble the master no further. She's dead. And you see his heart sink. You see him lose his hope. And Jesus says, don't fear she is not dead. She's just asleep. Did you know only Jesus can say something crazy like that when your dream is dead? He says, it's not dead. It's just sleeping. She's not dead. She's sleeping. And he said, have faith. And they walk all the way home, and when they get there, the mourners are mourning. The paid mourners are mourning. And Jesus says, she's not dead, she's sleeping, and they laughed him to scorn. So Jesus put everybody out that was unbelieving. Did you know he's putting everybody out nowadays that, that he has to put out so that he can do holy things? Please don't be the person he has to drive out of the room so he can move. He has to send you to buy lunch in the corner because you'd screw the whole thing up if you stayed. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, I'd said, please don't make your kids run away from you to find God. My son Grant said one of the most honoring things to me. This is a number of years back, but it is Father's Day, and I was having fond reminiscences. He once came up to me and said, Daddy, thank you for never giving me anything I had to run away from. I made a choice not to raise my children in crazy church stuff. I want them to love God with all their heart and have a unique, intimate relationship with Him. Whether or not they dressed like a pastor's kid, whether or not they showed up and sat in the front row, whether or not, don't make me go into that. Preacher's kids are some of the most broken, wounded, despondent people in need of God because their parents wrecked them. God may lift your despondency, answer your prayer, and identify who you are by explaining something. So I want to bless all my explainers there today who are your teachers, your gift of teaching children, teaching people. You're an explainer. You can say, that's where I fit in the body of Christ. When I open my mouth, I explain things for people, and I become a living answer to prayer. That's who you are in the body. You don't need to have shabba-dabba-ding-dong power. Now, power is the second way God lifts despondency and answers prayer. And let me ask you, maybe your identity in the body of Christ is to be a power person. Hmm. Could it be that you are anointed by God to be a conduit of power? Could it be that maybe you can't explain your way out of a paper bag? Maybe you only, you only know two Bible verses and you misinterpret both of them. Okay? You have no gift of explanation. <laughs> we had... We had a guy at school, God bless him, but you'd ask him a question, and he'd go, I can't. 
you hear the old joke? Remember the guy came up and he said, how are you doing today? And he goes, well, I can't really tell you. And the guy said, well, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> Some people trying to explain something will ruin the universe as we know it and misexegete the Bible. Okay. But you could be a conduit of power. What if, what if, the excluded middle, what if you are a person through whom God can legitimately pour his power to be, bring deliverance from evil powers? To channel that kind of power when I pulled the, the, the sword out of the left side of that woman. I didn't manufacture that. I didn't sit at home and see a vision. I don't know how that happened, but by God, when you're in Nigeria, God does that kind of stuff. Sorry, doesn't do it here. Try to find it, east coast, west coast. Guess where you'll find it? Nowhere. Yet. But we are standing on the brink of the greatest outpouring of God in human history. And it's not going to be in Guam. And it's not going to happen on Mars. I was on Mars and their legs were growing on and eyes were... No, no. When that happens on social media, in 20 minutes, the whole world's going to be looking at it. But the reason God hasn't done it yet is because miracles have a very low level of, of converting anybody. Once they start, God will let them roll for about, Jesus' ministry was three years, right? They were bored immediately. Did he raise the dead in the meeting today? No, he's slipping. Only two eyes popped in the sockets. Oh, I knew when he used to raise the dead every service. Even miracles get bland after a while. It's like, oh, did he lengthen legs? That's it? Okay. God will only release this kinds of signs and wonders I'm talking about for a short period of time, and then they're, they evaporate. But miracles never in the Old Testament changed anybody's mind or anybody's heart, and they never did in the New Testament. Jesus our Lord said to those in Capernaum, his hometown, if the miracles that were done in your city had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. Hyperbole. He goes, you've seen so much concentrated power that any Everybody in the world would have been impressed, but you yawn. <sighs> Only cast out 90 devils today? Hmm, he's slipping. That's how we are. I'm not that way. I want to see miracles. Yeah, you will, but the third one you'll fall asleep <laughs> in the miracle service. Not just me explaining things, but when power hits you, you'll still <laughs> sleep in the... <laughs> It's human nature. I'm so sorry. But we all think, no, no, if miracles happen, I wish I lived 2,000 years ago. No, you would have crucified Christ 10 days earlier and nailed him <laughs> to any tree <laughs> you saw him leaning against. That's how wicked we are, but we just don't want to admit it. Okay, so he explains things. That can be an answer to prayer and a lifting of despondency, and you may be an explainer. Second, he uses power. That's the second way he answers prayer, which is what we all want, right? But he may explain things. Now, notice, I want to mention this. You may be a power person that he could use in power, but that doesn't mean you should teach the Bible. All right? The body of Christ is made of many parts. I knew a man very gifted in power gifts, but if you tried to teach, well, actually, he became a heretic and denied all the fundamentals of the Christian faith, but he had a gift of power. Don't try to teach if you have a power gift. Don't try to teach if you have a power gift. Don't try to teach and explain when you have a power gift, okay? Well, Eminem just woke up in a cold sweat. 
His competition is rising. Oh, yeah. My rap name is Heavy C. That was for Gretchen, just completely for Gretchen. Unthink that, Gretchen. All right. Power. This man had a power gift second to none. I've never seen signs, wonders, and miracles. And they were all legit, and they were all of God. But he couldn't teach. And instead of having teachers qualified to explain, he tried to teach. And it was a bull in a china shop. And you know what? He lost his very life through the gospel that he twisted, perverted, and died over. God had to take him out because that's the danger he became in the body of Christ. Now, does this mean power isn't necessary? No. Get Wayne Grudem's book. Uh, no, no, not Wayne Grudem's book. Dr. Craig Keener. It's called Miracles. It's about 1,500 pages. Dr. Craig Keener, Miracles. They have always happened in the body of Christ, always will, and are happening right now, and are going to happen in the future. And you do not have a theological leg to stand on if you deny that. It's called the excluded middle. We're nervous. I get it. We don't want charismaniacs swinging from the chandeliers, and once we let that in, we'll pervert the truth. No, no, no. Sorry, God does answer by explanation, but that's not the only way. He answers by power. And guess what? Jairus needed power. And Jesus went in and took her hand and said, Tilitha Kumi, get up, little girl, and she arose. Lazarus was dead. He did not need a, a, a Hebrew lesson. I knew a guy that I met as a young man who told me, if you don't know Hebrew, you don't know nothing. You're an ignorant Gentile fool. So he turned me on to Jewish roots and, and learning Hebrew and this, that, and the other. But, you know, he was a one-trick pony. That's all his answer was to everything was Hebrew. You know, how do I get a devil out of my heart? Hebrew. You know, uh, honey, your piece of the pie isn't the whole pie, okay? I mean, I appreciate Hebrew. But when someone has a demon oppression, they need power. They don't need Hebrew. Your piece of the pie is only one piece of the pie, and how many of you know we need power? We need the excluded middle. We need God to show up and show off, and he's going to do it, and he does answer that way. Lazarus didn't need a lecture. He was dead. And by the way, he had no faith for this to happen. He's dead and rotting. All you have to do is be dead and rotting. Make Jesus come and get you. Jesus came to him, rolled away the stone, called him forth, and power answered. Lifted their despondency, it answered their prayers, and it identified them. You know, I, I have no Bible proof of it, but I think these people that were healed by power became conduits of power. It's just my gut instinct. Do you think? Just like Mary Magdalene, who had seven devils, became a chaste woman the rest of her life after her deliverance, I bet if God delivers you of certain pain and demons, you will become a triple threat in the area of power. So I'm encouraging triple threat people in the area of explanation, triple threat people in the area of power, but the third way God answers prayer and lifts despondency is looking again, reevaluating. What do I mean? In Matthew 11, verses 1 through 4, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, is arrested and he's thrown in jail. And he sends Jesus messages going, hello, <laughs> I'm your forerunner. I'm locked up. Hello. And Jesus does not respond. Have you ever felt that God is not responding to you? 
Well, you could be asking the wrong question. There's never a right answer to the wrong question. Have you ever thought of that? There's never a right answer to the wrong question. And John is saying, he's sending messages going, excuse me, John is in prison. I'm wondering if you could maybe like take a moment and, you know. And Jesus says, tell John to look again. Tell John to reevaluate. Tell John that the blind see and the deaf hear and the cripple walk. And John the Baptist, who was mentioned in the Bible, how would you like to be mentioned twice in the Old Testament? Malachi 3.1 and Isaiah 40, verse 3. John is mentioned in the Bible. His parents probably framed those verses and put them over the fireplace. That's my boy. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. The messenger of the voice after which the Lord shall come to his temple. John is in Isaiah, and Jesus sends back messages from Isaiah about the Messiah healing the blind, healing the deaf, healing the the paralytics. And you know what he says? Tell John to look again. Have you ever had to reconnect the dots of your life again? I mean, the dots are all there, but you've been connecting them wrong. We used to go to Denny's, and you could see the picture was a Tyrannosaurus Rex with like 100 dots, and you had to connect the dots. Grant would come up with a kitten, and I'd go, baby, no. And it was all like a special needs crayon presentation. I said, baby, I think you forced the dots in a way they don't go. No, I didn't. And I'd say, get another one. Can we have another menu? Can we have the fourth menu <laughs> at this table, please? And we'd get the paper menu, and we would start again. And I'd go, one, two, three. And he felt like, you know, he got it after a while. And it was, by gosh, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <gasps> you know, have you ever looked at the constellations to people that know what's going on? And they go, there's Orion. And you go, I don't see any. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't see it. There's the belt. There's, the, there's his broom. There's his hat. There's his wife. It's like, what the heck? How are they connecting these dots? And then someone shows you a picture of Orion and you go, oh, right? Sometimes God answers prayer with an explanation. Sometimes he answers with power, but sometimes he answers by you looking again and reconnecting the dots that are laying all around you. You know, we always want a life that isn't within our lawn. You know, we all look over the fence to find our world or someday, somewhere, someone is going to, and Jesus goes, you know what, you know what, I want to help you the next little while. Look in your own lawn reconnect the dots that are right at your feet, okay? You don't need new dots. <laughs> These dots are of the devil. I want new dots. No, you don't need new dots. You need a crayon and simple common sense. <laughs> One, nine. No. God is mean. No, he's not. Can we have another menu? Thank you. I went through 35 of these you know, one, two, good boy. Give him a treat. You know, three, good. Seven, no. <laughs> That's just Craig's life. <laughs> I've been doing this for 63 years. One, two, three, four, five, six, 300. No, Craig. New menu, the Johnson table. All right. Do you need to look again? Maybe God is not explaining. He's not showing power. He's getting you to reshuffle the deck you already have in your hand. I need a new deck. No, you don't. Someone can take the hand you have and win with it right now. 
I need a new hand. You don't need a new hand. You need to reconnect the dots of your life, of your past. Now, do you know anyone that we would in the body of Christ maybe call a wise counselor that is able to help you reevaluate what's already in front of you? Do you know we pay people on Zoom calls to be an objective third party to look in at us and help us reconnect our dots? They never give you new dots as a therapist or as a wise person. They just have an ability to see us in a way we don't see ourselves. Boy, maybe that's your place in the body of Christ. Have you had a spirit of counsel on you? We call that someone a person of wisdom. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Knowledge is pins. Wisdom is the pin cushion. Some of you have a gift of counseling. And when we spend 10 minutes with you analyzing and explaining our situation, we recalibrate, reconstitute, and reconnect the dots, and we're better people. And you know what? There's something liberating about that. If it's your friend that's able to help you reconnect the dots or a therapist, you know, maybe you need to talk to someone who's able to stand outside your life and not judge you and just give you a new take on you. That's liberating. That's delivering. That's one. Maybe it's the way God's going to answer your prayer, not with an explanation or power. Now, I still want him to answer with power. I'm just telling the truth. I want God to always do what I want right now in the name of Jesus. And I used to scream scripture and try to bend his arm behind his back. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'd be watering a wrench garden, commanding it to grow. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hammer. Grow. Screwdriver. Grow. Guess what? They never grew. And they never will. Quit watering wrench gardens but I'm so sincere. Yeah, we know. But I mean, well, your meaner doesn't really matter now. He may explain it. He may give power, and he may re-examine and reevaluate and reconnect the dots. The fourth way he lifts despondency, answers prayer, and reveals who you are is he gives you something to do. He shifts you from the why to the what. Did you know you're not to be hung in the why not? Do you know God will never answer the why question this side of eternity because we have pea brain thimbles of understanding. And we demand, it's called a category mistake, we demand infinite knowledge in a finite mind. It's impossible by definition. It's like God making a square circle. Impossible by definition. So most of what you're asking for in the why category, you're wrong. It's a category mistake. You will never get an answer. But he will answer, what should I do next? He won't answer, why did that happen? But he will answer the question, what is my next step? And we get addicted to the why not, and we're hung in it. And I know people that have been frozen for four decades still asking why. If you sit at the door of why, it'll never open. As much as you knock on it, you'll have bloody knuckles. God will not answer that door. If you go next door to the what door, what should I do next, it'll open up just like that, and God will give you instructions. Remember when Peter, Jesus said, put your net on the other side of the boat. He didn't explain something to him. He said, here's what you need to do. 
Remember, to the paralyzed man when he was healed, he said, take up your bed and walk. Remember, Jairus was told when his daughter was raised from the dead, from the dead give her something to eat. God often will not answer why, but he will answer what. Sometimes the greatest answer of prayer you need right now isn't an explanation. It isn't power. It isn't, do, look again. It's do this. And maybe you're a person with a gift of helps that can technically help people do what they need to do next. And for them, it may be a a task they've never tried. And they're looking for the why, but God says, I'm only going to give you the why. What is my next thing to do? See, whenever you're tempted to go, why did that happen to me? Ask, what shall I do about it? What can I do next, Lord? What's the next right step? That can be the greatest answer to prayer you've ever had is God giving you a what to do. And you know what? All you have to do is do it. All you have to do is do it. I was in the house the other day, and the Lord just put a little what on my heart. Never gives me a why to anything. I don't need that. I don't ask for that anymore. I don't look for it anymore. I'm growing up. But he tells me what to do. Call someone. So I did. I called them. And I always tend to call people when they're right on the edge of a building. Right? How you doing? Oh, no, it's him. <laughs> I don't hear voices and press my eyes and see the funny lights. I'm just good at my water nowadays. You know, what shall I do today? I just get a little dance nudge, and I go that way. And I'm just not fighting it anymore. You know? Explain that. Why should I go left right now? God can't use people like that in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit because he can only dance with people that will take the most subtle of his instructions. Maybe there are answers to prayer lying all over your life right now. Maybe your despondency is going to be broken in four ways, one of those four ways. The notes are on the website. You can put them on the fridge. If I were you, I'd realize we're in a time of triple blessings on the threshold, and you need to know the three things he's doing right now. He's lifting despondency, answering prayer, and giving you your place in his body. But you have to know there's only four ways he does it. So from now on, when you're ministering to other people, don't just think answered prayer when you lay hands on them that you're going to feel electricity. You may not feel, you may lay hands for power to fall, and God gives you an explanation for them. Or God has you help them reconnect the dots and reevaluate. Or God gives you a word on what they should do next because they need to do a what, not give them an answer to a why. When people ask why and are sobbing, just sob with them. Don't try to do it. Don't try to answer. I, as a young man, tried to answer everyone's questions about the Bible, where Cain got his wife, why they were beaten as a child. I don't know anything. And Socrates was the wisest man on earth because he said, all I know is I know nothing. So it's good to be as dumb as a stump for Jesus and as Caleb, be utterly holy-hearted available to him. That's what you need. And you need to know that when you learn these four ways, you will be a conduit of these four ways. You'll be able to look at your family and go, oh, God's answering your prayers, honey. He's just not giving you power. He's having you reevaluate and reconnect the dots. In fact, let me help you if I could. Or you know a therapist they need to talk to on the Zoom call for 55 minutes because that person has the gift of reevaluation. You don't. Look, you don't need any more sermons. You need to talk to someone who is gifted to heal you. Period. Whoever that is. Are they saved? They better be. I don't know. He may use an atheist to give you a million dollars to build your church. (laughs) 
He may use a dirty bird to give you insight about yourself. Quit limiting God. Some will only drink milk from a Christian cow. Please don't be that person. All right, I want to wrap this up. Triple blessings. Are you ready for them? I am. I don't want one thing. I want everything. I'm ready. I've lived this long. I've waited this long. I've hoped this long. I want to see Jesus lift despondency, answer prayer, and identify where people fit. Those are the three things he's doing right now, beloved. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us right now, Lord. Please confirm these words with signs and wonders following on this Father's Day. Please, Lord, lift the despondency of your saints in the name of Jesus Christ. Lift the long-term despair off your saints in the name of Jesus Christ right now. Lord, please answer the prayers of your precious people, God, in a way that they can perceive it. Whether explanation or power or reevaluation or giving them something to do, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray clarity for your precious lambs, Lord. And we rebuke darkness in Jesus' name. We rebuke deception and, and, and misdirection and, and in Jesus' name right now, Lord. Oh, God, please, your daughters, Lord, we pray a special blessing on your daughters. Daughters of Eve, what, what, a, what, a, what a holy group, what a blessed group of your precious girls, Lord. Bless the women of God, Lord, under the sound of my voice right now. We curse the despondency off of their life in Jesus' name, Lord. We, we pray that the, 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 the enemy blinding their minds to visually seeing answers to prayer will be broken in Jesus' name, Lord. We pray they'll find out who they are and where they fit. That they will have a clear understanding of their gifts and their talents and their abilities and their spiritual gifts and where it is they click right in in the body, Lord. We pray a refreshment upon your daughters a rebuke of despondency, an answer to prayer, and a positioning of them in the body. Father, for your beautiful, beautiful sons of Adam and all those who are fathers, literally or spiritually, under the sound of my voice, we bless the daddies. We bless you who are spiritual fathers. We bless you in Jesus' name. And we curse the despondency of the enemy placed upon you to obstruct your vision in Jesus' name. Lift off of these men. Despondency, leave in Jesus' name. Lord, bring an answer to prayer that my brother can understand, that he can clearly see and delineate in Jesus' name. Oh, God, bless my precious brother that he will find his identity in Christ and he will see where he fits in the body and he will just be a one-trick pony and just do the one thing you've called him to do, God, where he'll find relief and satisfaction in his life. In the name of Jesus. Lord, confirm these words with sign following. Somebody say amen. Can you, can you praise the Lord and put your hands together? Triple blessings on the threshold. I want three of everything. Gimme, give gimme, give my name's Jimmy. And your girls, gimme, give gimme, give my name's Kimmy. That's your mantra. And, and I want you to look for multiple blessings. Now, this isn't a time of addition. It's multiplication. He's doing many things at once. And so we, we want to get out of this... Uh, tunnel vision view of where we're only looking through a keyhole. Because you know when you look through a keyhole, you're already limited. You're already limited. Do you know in the literature of the poetic literature in the ancient world, Greco-Roman world, we only have like one-third of anything that was ever written. That's it. All the rest is destroyed. So when you're studying 
you know, drama or you're studying theater or you're studying tragedy or you're studying philosophy. You're only looking through a peephole into Versailles. And sometimes that's the way we live our lives, but God wants to sort of expand your peephole a little bit. Maybe give you a portal, all right? When I was on my cruise, I didn't have a peephole to the Mediterranean. I had a whole sliding door, and it was a better view than tunnel vision. So may the Lord deliver us from tunnel vision. Amen? And also, one more word, and we'll close with this. Please look through the proper end of the telescope. I have a telescope in Jesus' name. I know you do. But if you're looking through the wrong end of it at the wrong time, you're not going to see the right thing. <laughs> God, give me a new telescope. No, because if he gives you a new one, you'll look through the wrong end again. If he gives you a billion-dollar one with gold and diamonds, you'll still flip it around and look through the wrong. You know, I hate to give a special needs sermon in point in conclusion. But yesterday he told me, I was ministering to someone, and he said, Craig, tell my people their telescope is okay. They don't need a new one. Just flip it around. We'll close on that subtle point. Are you as clueless as I am and need words like that and mental pictures? You know, Craig, when you look at people, flip the telescope, looking at the wrong... You know. When you find yourself looking through an electron microscope and everything's distorted, flip it. Just saying. You don't need a new one. <laughs> okay. And with that, goodbye to all of you. Shut that thing off. I'm not saying into the word. Except if, you, if we feed you, you can feed us. Those of you that are watching that are peeping in, we don't know who you are. We would appreciate if you don't tithe, maybe at a church, maybe you don't have a church you go to, maybe you don't believe in that. We could use your $10. We could use. There's a PayPal thing there. You say, oh, my, my $20 doesn't matter. My $100 doesn't matter. You know what? It adds up. Okay? And in this week, I got to pay for the month of June. I just paid for May. May, June. Yeah. So June is in a week. So it matters that you do your little bit, and it matters that you do it consistently. Amen? Years ago at the Bible study, we had a young man. I won't say his name, but he used to write a $5 check every time he came to church three times a week. We always saw Betty and I would see a $5 check from this man. $5 doesn't sound like much, does it? At the end of the year, he would have outgiven most people. Someone will throw in 100 occasionally and think they're generous. You know what I mean? Like once uh, every 10 years, right? That was a big one, right? This guy would outrun. At the end of the year, he'd say, Betty would say, look at, the, look at the total amount of this guy giving $5 a week, three times a week. Little is a lot, and it adds up. So don't ever demean your gift to say, well, mine doesn't matter. It does. And if you don't have a place where you're sowing, we'll accept it in Jesus' name. We will not complain, and we will thank you. And you can get your tax deductible receipt at the end of the year. I'm not talking to our little host of folk that are paying all the bills. I'm talking to the folk, and in, in maybe you're new to us, you know, and maybe you don't realize that money doesn't grow on trees and chicken costs the same for my family as it does for everybody else, and that we have to write checks for, to pay bills. So I just want to say, if we feed you, feed us. Think about it. Amen? Pray about it, but not too long. The Lord says yes. Okay. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. 
the Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. Let's praise the Lord as we conclude today. Put your hands together. We love you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.